Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. The 2023 season continued a rise to prominence for Sunbelt football. The league had a record 12 teams make bowl appearances, leading the country in that category. App State was one of those bowl teams. They finished 9-5 and and returned to bowl season after a one-year hiatus. Today, we'll put their 2023 season in review as we continue our annual in-review series. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Friday's episode. Caden and I sat down with Voice of the Dukes, Dave Rigger, to put James Madison's 2023 season in review. If you missed it, you're going to want to go back and give it a listen. Today, it's episode 170 of the show, and it's time to put the Appalachian State Mountaineers in review. Voice of the Mountaineers, Adam Witten, will join us shortly to break down the recently completed 2023 season. Plus, Kate and I will provide our thoughts on the season as a whole. Kate and App State's return to prominence was one of the biggest storylines of the year in the Sun Belt. They started the year 3-4 and four before going 4-0 and oh in the month of November, a November that clearly will be remembered that also included a road upset of then number 18, James Madison. The season ends with a bowl victory in Orlando. Cato, you're an App State guy. What will you remember most about this season for the Mountaineers? Yeah, no, it's hard not to look at and remember the turnaround this team was able to pull off coming off of a six and six season and having the beginning of this past season look a little bit more like that six and six year than what we saw at the end of this year and what we've seen in past years where this App State team's been able to make championships. So starting off three and four is something that is not taken lightly with this program. It definitely comes with a lot of noise and a lot of criticism and the fact that this team was able to bounce back from that run the table, win five straight wings to get back to that conference championship game. You could argue that heading into 2024, that gave this team a different level of confidence in their abilities and what they're able to do. And I think that's going to be a great jumping off point in 2024. And it will be definitely something I remember as far as the 2023 season kind of switching a little bit at that flip point of the year and, and really being able to have a strong finish to the season. Consider this episode officially putting the Sun Belt on notice, too, about the year that App State could have in 2024 if things come together. Well, App State's Adam Witten is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to review the Mountaineers 2023 season. Well, we are excited to be joined by the voice of the Mountaineers, Adam Witten, for the second installment in this year's Sun Belt in Review series. Adam, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to join us. Absolutely, guys. It's it's January, so we don't get to talk a lot of football in the month of January. So th- this will be a lot of fun. It, uh, it it breaks up the the doldrums of of non football happening in in January. So always good to talk to you guys. Well, Adam, uh, let's jump back. And in, in since 2016, you've had a front row seat to one of the more dominant stretches that we've seen from a Sun Belt team in a while. Uh, but this season, it was pretty unique. You had the the rocky start that led to criticism. Then it ends with that strong finish and the Mountaineers returning to the conference championship game and then winning a bowl game. What are you going to remember most about this 2023 season? There's a lot of things, whether it's whether it's phrases or, or sayings or mantras that we had throughout the season or props that Coach Clark broke out during the year crazy finishes which have become the norm for App State football over the last two seasons. But I, I, I think overall what I'm going to remember is just what, what you kind of touched on there, Noah, which is how this team faced so much adversity and criticism through the midway point of the season, going back to mid-October and that ODU game, losing in the, in the final moments of that one and, and wondering what was going to happen, what was going to be the fate of that team. But to know that 
they kept digging, which was one of those phrases, and to win the last five games of the regular season, to play for a conference championship, to win a bowl game, to go from where they were against ODU to at the end of the season thinking we had a really good year. You know, to, for that to happen, I, I think is is a remarkable turnaround that you don't see that often. It is, it, Cato, Cato, you know, it's a long college football season. It takes a lot for teams to play the way that App did at the end of the year because it's such a grind. And so to know that everything they did from the end of 2022 through the offseason, the coaching changes, strength and conditioning changes, uh, all the things they did in roster construction, to know that they didn't give up on that in, in midseason and they realized that by the end of the year, we could still have the success that, that we want. And, and they were able to accomplish that because they, they never let go of the rope. And so in, t- in its totality, there are a lot of individual moments that I'll remember, but in terms of how we describe the 2023 season for App State, uh, it's, it's really the tale of two seasons. It's the first half. The, the ODU game was the, was the tilting point of the year. And then what happened through late October, November, and then through the bowl game was just turned this into a really remarkable season. There's no question. It was a great turnaround, Adam. Great great to have you on the show as always. But let's go back to fall camp. And I think even spring ball, if I remember correctly, the position battle between Ryan Berger and Joey Aguilar. Ryan goes on to win the job. He gets injured in week one. Garner Webb is out. Now Joey steps in, throws a touchdown on his first pass in a Mountaineers uniform. Could you maybe walk us through the position battle that went on throughout, which seems like the entire offseason that was a close one and kind of ended not the way Joey wanted, but then ended up kind of working in his favor heading into the season? Yeah, it's it's interesting because when we were talking to members of the media or broadcasters from other teams late in the season and they saw what Joey Aguilar had done, a lot of people kind of needed to be reminded that he, he wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. He did not win the job out of spring ball and fall camp. But we were saying, and, and Coach Clark was saying this, and a lot of times you wonder, you know, like, because I, I remember going into <laughs> into the uh, 2022 season when App opened the year against North Carolina, Mac Brown. You'll remember Mac Brown saying they had a quarterback competition when Drake May was going into his first year as a starter. And you're thinking, okay, we're not sure who the starting quarterback is going to be. And then Drake May starts, this, you know, plays the way that he does. You say, okay, they were just pulling the wool over our eyes. That was not the case in in Boone. They legitimately had two guys that were capable of being the starting quarterback. And that was, that was the thing. It was, okay, well, whoever wins the job is, is clear cut the, the better quarterback. That was the, you, you had to pick one, but we said all along that you have two guys that you trust to be QB one. And really what ha- Ryan was the guy who had more of the institutional knowledge. He, yes, he was a redshirt freshman, but he had spent his true freshman year with the program. He was recruited by Frank Ponce. And so he had a a year under his belt with the program, going through scout team, going through learning the playbook, and then, you know, going into an offense, even though Frank Ponce wasn't there for his true freshman season, he still kind of knew what kind of offense they were going to try to run once Frank came back as, as the OC. And so 
Ryan goes in with that in his back pocket. Joey comes in as somebody that Frank also discovered out on the West Coast, but he was coming into a new situation, coming to a totally new level of college football out of the JUCO ranks. And ultimately, at, at the end of the day, they knew what Joey's talents were, but I think it was a situation where, and we saw this early in the year with, with Joey, that there would be some throws and things like that where you know, it might result in, a, in an interception or a fumble and just things that, you know, you, you couldn't you couldn't afford some of the, the risks of, of having a guy like Joey out there with that gunslinger mentality to know that you might put your your defense in a tough situation because of a, an untimely turnover. And so at the end of the day, I think Ryan was the one that they thought could could move the offense the best, but also make sure that you were always going to be in making the right, making the decisions to keep your offense and your defense and your game plan on track. And so that's kind of where things ended up going into the start of the season. And then Ryan gets hurt on the first quarter of the very first game. Joey comes in and like you said, Caden throws a touchdown pass on his very first pass and, and he never looked back. And yeah, we saw some of those moments early on where it's like, Oh man, you can't, you can't make that throw in that situation. I mean, you know, throwing a throwing a pick at the end of the Wyoming game when you're going in to to try to tie the, you could tie the game with a field goal, things like that. And so, but later in the year, we saw Joey be able to go to checkdowns more, play, you know, go through his progressions, realize that you don't have to make the MVP throw. It's okay to throw it away. It's okay to run out of the pocket and maybe just get tackled for a gain of one or two or no gain on the play as long as you keep possession. Um, and so by the end of the year, Joey was much more careful with the ball, but still showed the ability to play unafraid to make a big time throw. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting thinking back about how that all played out to realize that, yeah, it was, it was quite a quarterback competition. One of the, uh, probably the biggest QB competition we've had in fall camp in the history of the program. And, and then the way it worked out, you got to kind of remind some folks and, and say, yeah, you know. Joey, uh, Joey's had an amazing season. He was newcomer of the year, but he he was not the starting quarterback to to start the season. But man, when when he got in there, he took his opportunity, and and he never looked back. Definitely one of the more intriguing kind of storylines throughout the year. I appreciate some of that insider you know perspective there, but. Adam, the early part of this season was a real test of resiliency. You've already kind of, you know, alluded to that. This team found themselves sitting at three and four after seven games. The noise from outside continued to get louder and louder from this very passionate App State fan base. What did that outside noise, what was that like? And did it ever affect the vibes of this team during that first half of the season? I would say it didn't really affect the vibes of the team because if it did, they wouldn't have been able to accomplish what they did in the last five games of the regular season. And, but yeah, there was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of noise. I don't think anybody would deny that because it was a combination of the way that 2022 ended. And then the way the first half of 2023 began, because after the ODU game, you were also coming off a last second loss at home to, to coastal Carolina. So you, not only do you have that overall record, but you've got two losses already in the conference. And yeah, there was, there was some doubt um, about what, what the program was. And I don't want to say the team just totally ignored it. People heard it. 
And I think Sean Clark mentioned a few times that, you know, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people that you're close to. It affects your family. You know, his kids, when they're at school, you hear about those things and it's really, really difficult. And so, uh, but they were able to channel that in a way that continued to bring them close together as a team. They, like I said, they never let go of the rope. They never fractured. Even in the locker room after the ODU game or after the Coastal game, they realized that, and, and Coach Clark said it so many times, we are so close. We have just got to figure out how to get over the hump in some of these close games or these last-second finishes. But we are so close to, to turning this thing around. And everybody believed that. The, the, the coaches, the, the team, everybody around the program in that locker room believed that they were on the cusp of flipping the switch. And so they could have done two things with all of that noise. They could have broken apart and they could have started pointing fingers or listening and believing what some of the noise was telling them. Or they could have said, no, we, th- this, this is not true. In ter- we haven't worked this hard. We haven't done all the things that we've done. We haven't bought in the way that we've bought in to just give up on this and let the let the doubters tell us that this was wrong. Now we we have to believe in this process. And they did and they never quit. And and you know whether it was trying to illustrate that with keep digging and uh you know a guy digging for for gems and diamonds along the way and each victory representing one of those, you know, trying f- to find ways to continue to people to continue to get guys to keep believing in that. But they found different ways to keep accentuating the points that were made at the beginning of the season and reminding guys that all hope is not lost. This is not a six or seven game season. Okay. We still have the opportunity to celebrate as champions at the end of the year. And so, yes, the noise was there. Uh, yes, it was heard. It's, it's impossible to avoid it because you can't just shut off social media um, and all the different places where people will vent those frustrations. But the, the, the impressive part is how they heard that, but it didn't let them lose focus or lose sight of what they believed was the path to get to where they wanted to get. Adam, you mentioned how that outside noise kind of related to Coach Clark and it impacting others around him. And you could argue that no one's heard more outside noise during this stretch than Coach Clark. It's really been interesting looking at his tenure now since he took over. The team misses the Sunbelt Championship game during the 2020 COVID year, then they return in 21. Then there's obviously the 6-6 six and six season the year before. Then this season we have this year where they return to a conference championship and a bowl game. It's been a lot of moments of high praise and high criticism. Could you maybe evaluate Coach Clark's resiliency through all of that really since the beginning of his tenure till right now? Yeah, it's, it's a good question because I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of a coach that has been through more of a stressful and chaotic situation as an early head coach than Sean Clark. I mean, first of all, just think about the idea of going into your first year as a permanent head coach in the middle of COVID, right? I think people lose sight of just how difficult that was, not just on him, but in everybody in the sport. And to have the record, to win nine games, win a bowl game that year, it's, it's unfathomable the toll that it takes on, on people having gone through that season, along with all the stress and pressures of just being a first-year head coach at your alma mater. Then you throw that into it. So 
all of that, the the ups and downs of of the 2021 season, you win 10 games, like you said, you go to a conference championship, you have a good season that year. But it's it's that it's it's constantly dealing with staff changes, you know, a different offensive coordinator every year, coaches uh, along the staff being being poached by by programs that are throwing more money at them. And then and then as you're still in the early stages of your coaching career, you're now having to incorporate what NIL and the transfer portal bring to roster management at the level of a program like App State. It's I I, I can't even imagine what what that was like for, for him. We've talked about it, but I don't think I will ever truly understand or grasp just how difficult that can be on, on someone who's the leader of that program. So he's one of the people, him and his family are the, some of the people that you're most happy for that this season finished off the way that it did. And so, yeah, the, the resiliency of the team, it starts with the resiliency of the leadership. They're the ones that set the tone and the mood and the culture of what a program is going to be. And to see that all of that, while it was difficult and it is emotional in a lot of ways, but to see that it never detracted from him and or his staff and the effort and and what they gave to this program, even with all the noise, even with all the tough times that he's gone through in the four years of of his coaching career. I mean, look look where look where they've come out after all of that at the end of 2023. And and I truly believe that this program is set up for amazing success because at least at least as we talk here in mid-January, there's finally a sense of stability within the program, right? Whether it's roster, head coach, coordinators, strength and conditioning, all these things that have been going uh, you know ha- have changed and been so fluid over the first four years you know you're, you're past covid you've kind of settled in to know what nil and transfer portal is at this stage while it's not easy at least you you it's a known thing and you understand how to navigate it i feel like there's finally some solid ground beneath this this program after these four years and the the fact that they're all still here they're all still playing the way that they and they finished the year the way that they did um yeah it's i can't imagine how how tough and strong it's made them in this program going through what they have the last four seasons and i i I think it gives us a lot of excitement for for where things are are heading because like like i said you hope that you've got some sort of solid foundation and stability go having gone through what you did and and the way that last season finished up yeah, Adam, I think those are some great points. I think even just looking at the the coordinator position, Caden has talked about the turnover there over the last five to six seasons, just to see both Frank Ponce and Scott Sloan returning, I think is huge for the Mountaineers outlook looking to 2024. Now, we kind of talked about it already, but Joey Aguilar, you know, puts together one of the best quarterback seasons in App State history this year. He sets the App State single season record in touchdown passes. What stood out to you in terms of Joey Aguilar's season that it ends in him becoming the Sunbelt Newcomer of the Year? Yeah, I, I think the the one thing that always stood out about Joey from the first time you meet him in, in fall camp to the end of the season, the, the word I always go to is he's unflappable. And 
it's 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 incredible. It doesn't matter if he's thrown a sixty yard touchdown pass with with a guy in his face against the blitz and and he makes this incredible throw for a score, or if you know against ECU he he throws a pick six on the shadow of the goal line and and gives ECU a defensive touchdown. Doesn't matter either of those scenarios. He's always going to be the same guy, right? And the thing about Joey is he's calm. He's confident. He is a great leader. The, the, the players respect him because of the way he, he goes about his business and, and because he's never going to be someone after making a mistake that's just going to start yelling at people and, and, and putting people down. I think one of the things that also stood out about him is Joey always takes uh, responsibility for whatever happened. He's the kind of guy where if he throws a pass over the middle of the field, it's a perfect throw, hits a guy right in the hands, maybe he bobbles it, and then it gets picked off by the defense. The play, as you see it, may be of no fault of Joey, but Joey's going to take responsibility. His response to that play, if you ask him about it, is, well, I could have put the ball a little bit further out. I could have put the ball in this place a little bit differently, and that would have been a more catchable ball. It doesn't matter how how great he makes a throw, and 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 if if you can't possibly assign one percent of blame to him on the result of of a turnover, he's still going to own up to it as though it's <clears throat> excuse me, as though it's his mistake. And I think when guys see that, they respect that as as a unit on offense. They look at him as a leader, and so mentally and from from a from a leadership standpoint those are the things that stand out as a player the the arm his arm strength is is incredible the throw he can make all the throws as as they like to say he he throws a great deep ball you know his ability to stretch our offense is something that we haven't had very often in in this program and so the the weapon that it became with deep passes and and getting defenses to back off and you know we would see that because Joey's able to throw the ball down the field by the time you get to the second half and fourth quarter now your running game can 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 benefit as as a result of that but you know it doesn't matter if it's his first start in in sold out Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill playing a game in overtime or or if it's at the end of the season you know he he always looks like he's starting you know he's a, he's a fourth year starter with how confident and calm he is out there and and that just always seems to permeate through the rest of the team to say that hey we're okay you know it doesn't matter how dire the situation looks we're okay and so what he brings to the team from that perspective along with his physical talents with with the types of throws he can make how accurate he can be you know i i we can't wait to see what uh, what next year will bring after a, an amazing debut in 2023. Uh, yet again, it seems like this program just continues to get spoiled at the position. You talk about the lineage of quarterbacks that have come before Joey and him being able to uphold that standard. It sounds like on and off the field has just been amazing to see. But I think another big storyline of this season was the defense and how they were able to improve. It seemed like Coach Sloan changed some things up throughout the year. He had this team playing with more confidence especially when you compare just performances like the ULM game early in the season to what we saw in the bowl game. From your perspective, where have you see, what did you see from the defense this season as far as like an evolution and what they were able to do in their growth? 
Yeah, it's it's something, Caden, we haven't really talked about yet, but one of the big stories of this season, specifically with the defense, was the just the fundamental change they made schematically to the defense at the midway point of the season. They started, they went from the traditional 3-4 base defense that really Scott Sloan is known ever since he's been running a defense. You know, that's been his bread and butter, and that's where success has come from. But midway through the season, and it really started doing so permanently with the Southern Miss game in late October, they decided, you know, we're not going to go with this traditional 3-4 defense. We're going to go with this star package, which brings in an extra defensive back. And it was, you know, Jolly Thomas and EJ Jackson, EJ Jackson starting and getting the bulk of the snaps at that position. So you take your your inside will line will linebacker, you remove that position from the equation, you take your outside anchor position, which was Caden Sullivan, you move him inside to a new position, and then you bring that nickel or star package position into the equation. And so now you're going with more of like a three two five type of defense. And the idea there was just we've got to figure out how to get the 11 best players on the field. We've got to add a little bit more speed, more athleticism, more ability to cover at, at multiple positions. And that was the change that totally flipped the defensive performance throughout the year. There were some growing pains in the game against Southern Miss. They gave up a lot of yards, particularly on the ground. But that was the first game where you had guys playing in new positions and new roles. And after that, once they got more comfortable in it, then you started to see the results of what happened in the, in the month of November. The defensive numbers in November were outstanding. And so I think you, you, a lot of credit to the players for buying into a, a significant change in the middle of the season, learning new roles and being able to play as a group in that way but also to Scott Sloan and the defensive staff for not being stubborn about the way they've always done things and saying, we're going we're gonna to take a risk here. We're going to make a, a fundamental change in the way we do our defense. And we believe that it's going to work, but we've got we've to see. And, and that was a big risk, you know, because it's, again, it's a significant change. And if it doesn't work, you know, who knows what, what happens the remainder of the season. But it did. And and I think that's that's a huge storyline, a huge key to the success of the team, particularly later in the year. And Adam, I think that might be the answer to this next question, but you know, you alluded to it. This turns into a November to remember, a four no, you know, November that includes a win over number eighteen, James Madison, and then that dominant rivalry win over Georgia Southern at home. Uh from your vantage point, was the biggest difference in those final seven games of the year, those changes schematically on defense? I mean, I, I don't know if it's the biggest change, but it is certainly, if you had to say there were three reasons why the team did did what it did in November, that's in that, that top three, without question. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a few things that contributed to November, and, and Caden can probably speak to something like this better than I can. Yes, it's the defensive changes. Yes, it's the growth of and, and performance of the offense and Joey Aguilar. But success in November, Caden, I got to think 
a lot of it can be attributed to the work you do in the winter, in the spring, in the summer, right? Because I think the teams that succeed in November are the ones that have the most depth and are the best conditioned teams because you're tired in November, right? You're not the same team physically that you were in September. But what have you done to build yourself to the point where you're ready to compete in the month of November? And I think that's where you give Coach Matt Greenhall and his staff and the depth that the team has put into place through recruiting and transfer portal. Those are the things that contribute, I think, more so than like what you see from an X's and O's standpoint. I think those are the things that set you up to be a successful program in November. Would you agree, Caden? Definitely. And I think it also goes back to having to revert to your training and having the physical side of things kind of have to take over and the mental side. So I definitely think that's a spot on analysis, Adam, as far as having to combine those things to have a good month in November. And that's a a month that this team has historically been able to kind of play well in and act well in as far as past seasons as well. But I think ahead of the bowl game, Adam, we saw that Joey Aguilar and his top target, Caden Robinson, announced that they would be returning to the program. And I think when you look at college football landscape and how it is now, that's very important as far as re-recruiting some of your players that might be very attractive to other schools through the transfer portal. Just given that situation and given the evolution we're seeing with college football, with the rise of the transfer portal, NIL, how that's impacted recruiting, how would you assess kind of this App State program going into the future, being equipped for this changing landscape based on what you've seen in recent kind of memory of what this team has been able to do in the offseason heading into 2024 and heading more beyond into the future, I think, as far as college football goes. Yeah, and and I go back to what I said earlier about you you feel like there's some stability around the program right now because you've gone through, you know, this the coaching carousel cycle isn't over yet and and the transfer portal isn't over yet. There'll be a window in, in the spring when when it'll open back up after teams finish spring practice. So you're you're not necessarily finished with with where things are, but coming into mid-January, this this program is set up for future success because you've got a guy in Sean Clark who is as bleeds black and gold more than anybody. And so he is at his his dream job and he's going to give everything he can to the program. He's not looking for that next opportunity. You've got two coordinators who I believe are in a similar position. You know, Frank Ponce came back to Boone because of of what this pr- place means to to him. Scott Sloan came back to Boone for for a similar reason. So you have guys that I feel like you know it's it's not a you're, you're wondering if you're going to have your coordinators back next year. Who knows what can happen? But I, I believe that you've got the core of this staff in place for for a, a significant amount of time. And that that does wonders for for the future of a program. You know, yes, App lost some guys in the transfer portal, but that's going to happen at at any program as as people look for opportunities where they can where they can get more more playing time or whatever the situation might be. And I, I think App ended up in a in a good place at the end of this first series of the transfer portal. You mentioned that your quarterback is returning. You're, you're, who, the guy who ended up being your number one receiver is coming back. You still have a great stable of running backs. Offensive line has enough coming back to be really good. Defensively, they should be loaded again next year. And so, yes, I think the prospects are very good for, for 2024. But as you talk about the future, Caden, and wondering, okay, 
where things stand related to transfer portal and NIL, this is not going to be the final evolution of it. Things are going to continue to change. But I can tell you that the leadership of this university, Doug Gillen, Sherry Everts, all the people that that help to drive the the future of 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 our school and this in this program, they are prepared to do whatever is necessary to make sure that App State is is among the schools that are that are going to continue to be players in college football. And whether that, you know, I and it doesn't matter what conference they're in or where things stand, you know, we know the importance of football at our school. We know what it does for the entire university, the entire community. The economic studies done on the state of North Carolina and our region specifically, a lot of that economic development can be attributed to App State football. So they they understand how important it is for it to be relevant and for it to continue to grow with the future of college football. So the right leadership is in place within the program and within athletics and the university to make sure that App State is going to be around for the long haul, that it's built to last. And so I, I can't tell you how how excited that I am for the the 2024 season and where this program is going to end up over the next three to five years. I mean, I mean, heck we're, we're heading into a season where the college football playoff is expanding. There are more opportunities now to play for a national championship for programs like app state. And I think the timing is, is just perfect right now for the program to be where it is in its ascension and, and where college football is going right now. Adam, with that, we'll end with this. You know, obviously you mentioned the staff being intact, the quarterback, his top weapon are back, but this team has to travel to places like Statesboro, to Conway, to Huntington next year in conference play. With all these factors in mind and even some of the guys that have already been lost heading into the offseason, pull out your crystal ball. What are kind of, you know, some early expectations for what that 2024 season could look like for App State football? Yeah, it's it's another challenging schedule. I mean, Sean Clark has never really gone into a season with a, with an easy schedule, right? Or uh, you know, a soft like like a like a Michigan type of non-conference schedule and then and then getting into conference play. I mean, it's it's going to be not just I mean, you mentioned the conference games that App has, but think about the fact that their non-conference schedule includes a trip to Clemson and a home game against what probably what could be a preseason ranked Liberty team, right? The team that just played in a New Year's six game. And so that's two of your four non-conference games right there. Oh yeah. Plus a trip to East Carolina. So it's another gauntlet of a non-conference schedule before you even talk about league play. The East division, as we saw last year is extremely talented. And so you're always going to have that game against JMU. That one's in Boone this year, as you mentioned, but you got to go to Statesboro. You got to go to Huntington for Marshall. You got to go to Conway, not Myrtle Beach. You got to go to Conway to, to play <laughs> Coastal Carolina. So, uh, by, and, and look, all these teams continue to find ways to get better and bolster their roster. Georgia State's not going away. Eventually, you know, they're still looking for that first win against the program. They're not going away. You know, they're still making moves to be players in the East Division. Uh, you got to go to Louisiana for one of your West Division games. And then South Alabama comes up to Boone for the West Division home game. So it's a it's a crazy tough schedule in 2024. I can't wait. It's got fans so excited 
for for what's going to happen this year. It's it's all these things that we talk about. It's the beauty of what the Sun Belt is right now because every game matters. Every game has some history. Every game has some significance to to the fan base. And so, but it's 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 not going to be easy. I, I think this is this will be one of those years where it's good that. Um, you know, it's a 14 week season, one of those odd 14 week seasons where the season starts early and ends really late. So maybe just maybe app will finally get one of those true bye week that it's never really had. It's never had 14 days in between games like a true bye week. Uh, but maybe since there are two open dates on the schedule this year, maybe we'll actually get one. Well, it'll certainly be fascinating to see. I think my biggest takeaway from your final comments is that those uh, bleachers in the end zone might need to go up because I think that there's going to be a huge demand uh, for tickets at home games this year. Adam, we've appreciated your time and always enjoy talking App State football with you. Certainly wish you uh, and your family uh, a good remainder of the offseason. Yeah, guys, always fun to talk to you guys. Appreciate everything that you all do to to lift and elevate the, the Sunbelt Conference as a whole. Caden, I don't know about you, but that was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed hearing Adam's perspective on the turnaround this season. As people away from the program, we can sit back and we can pinpoint the defense. We can pinpoint Joey Aguilar's play, but the nuance that Adam described, the changes that took place halfway through the year was really interesting to hear. Yeah, it was very interesting to hear the perspective of kind of the the outside noise element of the turnaround and also just the internal changes that this team was able to make during the season. They were losing in close games. They felt like they were right there. It was it was the, a lot of the, the outside criticism that comes with being in a program that has standards like this is not easy to combat. And the fact that this team was not able, not only able to combat that, but kind of look themselves in the mig- mirror and figure out what they needed to change just to get over the hump to win those one-score games that they were losing, especially to start off conference play, was just great to hear Adam's perspective as far as all of the little things that kind of had to go together to fuel this turnaround that this team was able to pull off and just makes it almost more impressive when you think about it from a player perspective, having to combat some of the outside noise, having to combat almost a little bit of an identity crisis as far as what you need to do as a team to pull off wins, figuring that out and being able to kind of exploit that, get better during the season and become one of the stronger teams in the conference that found themselves competing for a conference championship at the end of the year was just awesome to hear Adam's perspective on. Well, and Caden, I think the rest of the Sun Belt should be on notice too, because App State, they're bringing back Joey Aguilar. You bring back Caden Robinson. The coaching staff is more than likely going to be largely intact. Things seem set up for App State to have a really big 2024 season in Sunbelt play. Yeah, there's no question. And Adam definitely made it a point to pinpoint the fact that the coaches are not having a turnover this year. We're seeing the coaches and the coordinators return for another season. That's not something you see all the time at App State. You're talking to a guy that had four or five different position coaches while he played and and the team was still able to maintain success. And now when you look at this team primed for success from a personnel standpoint, having that quarterback position checked off, having other spots checked off, and then doubling down on that with the same staff definitely makes this team scary. Definitely looking at the second half of the season as well that they were able to have makes them scary as well so I think when you head into the season next year it's going to be very interesting to see where App State kind of ranks among the 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 preseason polls and what they'll be able to do in 2024 just given what they were able to do in 2023 and hopefully being able to double down on their offseason as well well Caden lastly here Adam's point too uh, about the alignment between athletics and the university and the future of this App State program I came away realizing that this App State program is going to do what it takes over the years ahead to remain a power in college football as this universe evolves. 
Yeah, I obviously have some bias in, in this area as far as talking about App State culture and the program and just the expectations that come with being at App State, playing football there and the importance of the football program to the community. I think Adam did a great job of putting that into perspective. And I think with that, the fact that there's the leadership intact that's willing to evolve, willing to do what it takes with these changes in college football, being able to adapt to them to stay on top. I think it's a great sign for the future. And I think when we head into this new era of college football, there's going to be teams like App State that have history and have reasons to stay on top. But I think thinking it's going to get handed to you is, is, is a mistake. You're going to be mistaken if you think you can just walk in to this new era of college football where the transfer portal and NIL are super prominent and think you can just have your way like you did in the past. You're going to have to adapt. Some people are going to have to switch their roles. Head coaches are doing new things they've never had to do before. And I think the fact that App State is already kind of establishing themselves as a program that's going to be equipped for the changes that college football can throw at all these programs and all these different teams and coaches, I think it's going to be very promising, I think, moving forward for this App State program. I'll be very curious to see which other Sunbelt programs will hopefully be able to adapt as well, maybe change some things up on their end, maybe see more success than they've seen in the past. Going to be very interesting, I think, to see across the board in the Sunbelt which teams are going to be best equipped for these changes that are coming up. Definitely something that we will be following throughout the remainder of this offseason and into the 2024 season. Well, that will do it for the second episode in our Sunbelt in review series. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to App State's Adam Witten for helping make today's conversation happen. Kate and I are looking forward to reviewing the 2023 seasons for each of the Sunbelt teams in the weeks ahead. Before you go, don't forget, we're going to be back on Wednesday. We'll be releasing the third episode in our in-review series. We'll focus not only on the Troy Trojans, but also the Georgia Southern Eagles. Voices of the Trojans and Eagles, Barry McKnight and Danny Reed are going to join us. You're going to want to give it a listen. That'll do it for us here at the Farron Smith Podcast. Before you go, here's one thing you can do. Share this episode with one or two of your Sunbelt football-loving friends. Help us to continue expanding this growing community of Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. <laughs>